Welcome to Ashamed of Thrones, your weekly recap for HBO's uh, Child of Flamidamide, uh, HBO's Game oh, of Thrones. No. My name is Doug, and with me, as always, is Brian. Uh, Brian, how you doing tonight? Good. Thank you for joining us, Doug, despite being on vacation. In case you're wondering if Doug is devoted to the show, uh, he's currently podcasting on vacation. Yes, I'm podcasting remotely, so if you hear any uh, small child uh, screams or um, anything otherwise distracting, uh, please ignore that. Uh, or alert the authorities would be my recommendation. Yeah, but you'll never know where I am until it's too <laughs> That's late. That's true. So. Good luck with that. All right, so uh, we had a doozy of an episode. Uh, it's the only word I can come up to describe it. It was a... Uh, it was, it was an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, it was. I would, I would call it an emotional car wreck. Sure. Um, my initial impressions, uh, you know, um, at first there were some bewildering scenes. There were some, uh, I don't know. I think they they almost pulled it out at the end with the Hodor thing. Uh, but still, I I I think a lot of this episode was cringeworthy. Um, uh, most of it in the middle. Uh. I don't know how to feel. I still don't know how to feel about this episode. I've watched it twice. Thought about watching it a third time, then thought better of it. What are your initial opinions? I, I don't know what to think about it either. And I know that the in looking around online, the internet loved it. Um, I agree. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. that I thought were very intelligent uh, loved this episode. So, And it's actually, if you look on IMDb's ratings, it's the third highest rated episode uh, according to the user ratings ever, which it seems bananas to me, but... That does seem pretty crazy. I mean, I would have thought the Red Wedding, I mean, even if you didn't, you know, no one likes the Red Wedding, but you're, you know, fascinated by it and it's great TV. Uh, and I felt like they did a good job doing that. But uh, and this whole season, I think the the showrunners have not been proving me wrong, but have been um, exceeding my expectations. Would you agree with that? Yes, I think overall, I think this might be the strongest season so far. I agree. I mean, maybe since the uh, first season, I'd, I'd I'd have to go back and watch the first season. There was a lot of honeymoon period there. Uh, obviously, I was enjoying it, but uh, I, I thought they've been pretty strong this season. I think their biggest downfall has been trying to get all those uh, shocking moments, and uh, this is another episode which a main character dies at least at least one. So, um, well, and to to one thing I would like to point out is that even though they they made their bread and butter on shocking moments in the prior seasons at least this season's shocking moments have involved less sexual violence uh you know and that's that's a you know that might be good for some people who don't like sexual violence but for those of us who enjoy that <laughs> you real fucking creeps <laughs> you real fucking creeps out there um yeah yeah there's not as much disgusting uh like uh you know yeah sexual violence there's not a lot of cringeworthy things. I would say the uh, Ramsey um, feeding his stepmom and stepbrother to uh, a pack of dogs was probably the grossest thing, but at least it wasn't sexual. I mean, he might have been jacking it while that happened. I don't know. I didn't see. I know I was. So <laughs> anyways, let's get into it. Go. All right. So how, where do we start? Why don't you take? Why don't you start us off? So we start uh, out in Castle Black, and we see Sansa uh, sewing. And uh, she receives a letter from Littlefinger, you can tell by the seal. And uh, it's a request to go meet her, uh, for her to meet him in Molestown. Of course, she takes Brienne, and there's a, a bit of a confrontation between uh, Sansa and Littlefinger. 
And uh, Littlefinger initially says he was happy that she was escaped. And, of course, she confronts him almost immediately with a question of, did he know what Ramsay was? And there was a great line that if uh, if he did know, then he was her enemy. And if he didn't know, then he was an idiot. Yeah, I appreciated that as well. Yeah, and I, I, I still go back and forth on whether he did know, and I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I, Well, here's the thing is, I'd like to believe that Littlefinger isn't an idiot, so I want to believe that he just didn't know, and this was a hole in his, um, in his, uh, you know, his armor. I, and maybe that's because I, I like Littlefinger from the books, or I'm, I'm holding that a little bit too close to the chest, but I... I seem to think even in the show, he was surprised. Like, you could tell, uh, and forgive me because I didn't go back and watch the episode, when he arranged the marriage with Ramsay initially, um, you could tell he was a little off-put, but by that time, it was too late. Right. Um, so. Well, he, but the, at the same time, he also, I mean, kind of tricked Sansa into that relationship. Yeah, and I'm not excusing Littlefinger at all right. because, you know, he is using her as a pawn for his own ends. That That's... Right. I'm not excusing him for that, but I, I, I really want to give them him the benefit of the doubt and think that he didn't know just how shitty Ramsey was. Sure. So then, uh, uh, it's a pretty fairly painful scene. Uh, Sansa goes on to describe or not describe, but force Littlefinger to describe, you know, what, what, how she was hurt by, uh, by Ramsey Bolton. Right. And, you know, Littlefinger, uh, that was that was somewhat painful of a scene, but Littlefinger nonetheless vows to that he would like to help and protect her. She refuses his protection, says she doesn't need him. Uh, essentially, he took her from monsters and sold her to monsters that killed her family. Yes, in yes, cases. yes, yes. And uh, so she says, uh, we're, "We're we can we're, John and I can do it myself." And and he shares the information that. Uh, or t- her and John can take back the North by themselves, even though he uh, wants to try to help out. And But he does reveal to her that Blackfish is gathering at the River Run and has Tolly on her side. Nonetheless, uh, she refuses his assistance. Um, and of course, Littlefinger gets the parting shot when he's walking out and says, John's your half-brother, just says half-brother right. in reference to John. Yeah, I, I, I wrote about this. Um, if... This was supposed to be like a Sansa empowering moment, her trying to stand on her own two feet. But if she was really being empowering, she would play the Game of Thrones and use Littlefinger like he used her. He's got this huge army. Why not use that army for your own ends? And then, you know, when Littlefinger thinks that you're cool, you slit his throat once you have Winterfell. And number two, I want to point out that if Littlefinger did bring the entire uh Knights of the Vale to uh, Moat Kalen, they're not going to turn around and march home. Like, that'd be devastating for his political career. Uh, as a politician or a, or a general or anybody like that, you have to either get what you want with a show of power. I'm not saying that people haven't marched um, to places with an army and then not gone to war because they've gotten what they want because of the threat of violence. So you either need that or you need to blood those, you know, actually go to war Otherwise, you just appear weak. Am I wrong? No, I agree, and I think that we we are going to see Littlefinger right. involved in the bastard bull somehow. Um, I'm hoping it's as a he he shows up with the Knights of the Vale, and you know, player three enters the game and suddenly fucks it up at the <laughs> you know the exact moment that they're yeah, needed. I agree. Uh, I think that's where it's headed. I, I mean, 
I, I just keep going back and forth between whether Littlefinger is a redeemable character in the show or whether he's not, and, I, and I'm not sure yet. I don't think he's a redeemable character. I just think he has uh, like a limited moral code, um, mm-hmm. and that makes him kind of an anti-hero or some kind of chaotic uh, presence. Um, I don't think he's evil, um, but I, I think he would do evil things to serve his his ends, whatever they are. Sure. Um, we just don't know enough about Littlefinger, which is fine. Um, but as a whole, you know, the scene... He's a good character, at least. You yeah, know, he's, he's definitely interested, and I, interesting, and I uh, was upset that we went without him for so long. Mm-hmm, um, absolutely. All right. So uh, next we go to uh, Bravos, where we have girl fights. Um, yes. This is some more boring crap where um, Arya's getting the crap beat out of her. Um, and she should, because the waif is a fully formed assassin right. and has several pounds. Off. I mean, she's a lot, it seems like bigger at least. And again, this is another, and I hate to keep bringing this up again and again, but why didn't Arya just go whirly bird with that stick? <laughs> you definitely want to see the whirly oh. bird. And I think we will see uh, somebody just spinning around with either a sword or a stick uh, to uh, satiate that, uh, that, that desire that you have. But I think the whirly bird will show up. Uh, I will just say that uh, I thought this was somewhat pointless until the end after she kicks her ass. She says, you'll never be one of us, Lady Stark. And then Jaken comes in and says, you know, she has a point. Anyway, come with me. And yes. that, and I was thinking, well, you know, that's kind of like admitting that she'll never be a faceless man. And then what happens in the next scene? Well, do you want to be one of us? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right? Did that, you find that, that a little tra- weird? Yeah, that transition seems tr- strange. And, you know, the other thing that struck me from this particular scene was that are there only two people working for the faceless men yeah you know that's that's a problem that this show has uh as a production i understand um but scale is something that's very important like you need extras you need people just going about if they had like a couple other people in white robes uh that would be fine but to think that this whole organization and this whole house uh is just being maintained by two people uh and aria their intern uh seems ridiculous <laughs> Sure. Yes, right? that's we should call her the intern. She is an intern. I mean, she was a pledge. Yeah. I called her a pledge. I said it was Rush Week. Same thing. She's just uh, you know a newbie that they're you know giving all the grunt work to um, because she's new. It wouldn't be difficult to show a bunch of other people washing bodies, or, right? You know it, that wouldn't be difficult. They could be point. nameless. They could be faceless. Not even acknowledged. That's that's fine. I just uh, I and then throw in a line or two for why Jack and. Agar is in charge of it, and why the waif is her uh, her trainee or the traitor. Right, but regardless, he asks her to join after telling her a little bit of history about the faceless men and about how they uh, came from Valeria and um, you know started killing their masters, and they basically founded Bravos, which you know nice little history lesson. I don't know um, how it's going to come back in the books. It's more interesting, but in the show, I don't see how it's going to really make a difference. Anyway, she's given some murder homework. And mm-hmm. she, she's asked, who am I supposed to kill? Uh, and she's like, well, Jacob says you're going to have to kill a actress. Um, Lady Crane. Lady Crane. So we go to the play. And this this was a thing in, uh, I don't know, you probably haven't done it. but uh, Well, and I, I did want to bring up one line please. that was in there. You know, at the end, Jacques Hen says something along the lines of, this is a girl's second chance. There will be not be a third chance. Yep. And he says, either way, your face will be added to the hall, one a, way or another. A face will be added to the wall. Oh, okay. See, not, I... Not your face. He said a face. So I, I suggested that would be Lady Crane's face, I guess. 
Um, no, I, I thought that that referred to where Arya went in terms of the faceless men, and, to, and, and whether she will have her face added to the to the. But that means that face. everybody's original face, all the faceless men, have their original face taken off and put into the face collection and this dawn yes. a random face that seems like crazy pants and i imagine you might be right but uh to me that seems a little he crazy. does say something along the lines of these faces are the faces of the the face i all agree the but faces. i assume that those faceless men were the original ones that had their faces like taken off when they retired you know they got the gold watch <laughs> they got the beachfront property sure. and they got their faces taken off um, yeah they, they took their faces off i want to take his face off yeah, sure. For those of you that are, I don't know, younger than 35, go look up uh, John Woo's classic uh, Face Off. You'll love it. Or don't. Or don't. No, definitely do that. Anyway, um, so she's given Homer to do. Uh, she goes to stalk her prey, and she watches the play that uh, the actress uh, Lady Crane is involved in, and it happens to be a play about uh, essentially the... Events of the first season uh, between um, the death of the King Robert and Ned Stark coming in. And this really is taken from one of George's um, uh, preview chapters for Winds of, Wiz- Winds of Winter, or T-Wow as the kids call it. Uh, and uh, I know you T-Wow. haven't read this, Brian. No, I have not. But essentially, uh, Arya shows up as uh, she's pretending to be an actress for an extended period of time, and she's... Uh, stalking somebody and they she's a part of this play i think she plays sansa which is weird and ironic but essentially at the end she uh breaks character and kills one of the kingsguard i think uh basically they they made this happen with uh Marin trant in the last season anyway regardless this this whole play i found to be very amusing uh what do you think about it well, i wish they did all of the uh recaps at the beginning of the episodes with this theater troupe yeah, I'd enjoy that a lot more than the previously ons. Yes, absolutely. So I, I thought that was an interesting scene. Um, I mean, it was clearly designed to test Arya. I don't think there's any question about that. Right, so Jacob and, knew that this play was going on. That's why he yes. sent her, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, and Ned is an oaf in it, which is even more <laughs> I reason. love it. He's such a redneck. They like have him as like yeah. kind of like a hillbilly uh, from the north. Sure, they portray him as a power-hungry individual which clearly it was not yeah um so yeah i, I mean it, it, i don't know i, I didn't think it was end, that funny or no anything. it wasn't but but uh Tyrion is portrayed as a monster there at the end too um yes. but i i definitely liked how you know it's just more salt in the wounds for the uh starks and i love it you know if why would you love salt in the wounds for the Starks? because because at this point it's just like kicking a dead horse it's just like it's just pile driving its corpse into the ground um <laughs> Uh, but I no, but I, I I like how it shows that like the good guys. It's it's this whole George R. R. Martin thing where the good guys don't always win, and even when they when they do something valiant, uh, it can be twisted and turned. And people who don't know the truth, you know, these people don't care. They're getting it, you know, via Fox News or whatever this uh, play is, you know, and they think yes. that's the truth. Uh, and that's how world events are shared back then, and to a greater extent, that's how it's uh, done today. Um, but I just found this, I don't know, I found it entertaining. I mean, I didn't find it funny, um, but I did find it uh, entertaining. And I wrote here, um, awesome titties. And then I wrote, oh no, <laughs> penis. <laughs> well, so then it cuts from the play to the backstage of the uh, of the players. Uh, and I guess it's what's supposed to be happen. Everybody's body and, and 
kind of goosing each other in the backstage. And of course, uh, we get to see old Wart Dick. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know. I've, I've got something to say, but Phil, finish the, the well, description. Let's, I'd like to hear your thoughts on old uh, Wart Dick first. My, my, my thoughts on old Wart Dick were, I feel bad for the women watching Game of Thrones. For a long time, they've had to deal with a lot of full frontal female nudity. And when they get male frontal nudity, it's never like beautiful men uh, completely naked. You know, they got Hodor. They've got some random weird well, beggar that jumps out. Hodor, Hodor definitely hung dong though. Hodor did do- hung dong, but uh, but they get they get like a you know this guy with an adequate schlong who's uncut and warty right in their faces, and that's supposed to be like a balance there. Uh, uh, we also I know we saw we've seen. Theon's dong at one point. Okay, great. While he, while he still had it. All right. I just want to say that it's it's kind of like short shrift to the ladies because um, I think this is their attempt at uh, T for D, like some kind of balance. Sure. <laughs> but who wants to see a D? They're I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But at least like maybe give the ladies like, you know, uh, and I guess they get six packs. I don't I, mean, I, I don't know what the women are looking for, but I just feel bad. Because Ain't that the truth, brother? I just feel bad because we get a lot of beautiful breastesses in the show, and uh, they get some warty dicks. So okay, fair enough. And this has been dug on the media. Yep, and that's um, my little tangent. Sure. So Arya sees that uh, sees the the way by just hanging out in the backstage. Somebody, yeah, she's, uh, no one kicks her out. It's just like when she was in that whorehouse. It's just she I just goes they, in and hangs out. Well, one person assumes that she's there for the laundry. Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. So uh, she sees the way to, to poison Lady Crane. And it, it goes it could because Lady Crane's the only one who drinks the rum. Obviously, you just poison the rum. Yeah, but I love I wrote it down. I was like, wait a minute. She's lying because the dwarf drank the rum, too. Did he? Yeah, absolutely. He did. I watched it a second time. Oh, okay. I, I, th- I thought he drank something else. I, was, I guess I was just for a Well, maybe, maybe he did, but I mean... Uh, you think a dwarf's gonna turn down like rum? Like, uh, not a dwarf. I, forgive the little people in oh, the audience that are listening. <laughs> I didn't oh, want to go no. this way. No, but I want to say like these people are body, uh, you know, actors. They'll they'll drink whatever. Like she can't guarantee that um, Lady Crane's the only one that's gonna drink that rum. Yes, I agree with that. And so I want to know: Does a little piece of her? And let's just let's just play it out as if the dwarf did drink the rum. Uh, does she want these all these people to die because they are portraying her family in a bad light? Well, that's certainly possible. Yeah. It's interesting. I just want to put it out there. Okay, I appreciate you putting it out there. So it cuts back to her speaking to Jacqueline Hagar, and uh, he's he's questioning. Uh, they go through that conversation of how she plans to kill him. Kill, I'm sorry, kill Lady Crane. And uh, uh, Arya is questioning why and who wants Lady Crane dead mentions that she's a good actress and then uh, Arya speculates that the younger actress wants Lady Crane to be killed because she's jealous of her talent and of course uh, the servant does not ask questions as Jacqueline's uh, response to her right. and this to me raised the question of what are the faceless men just assassins for hire or do they have some kind of moral code or some reason for what they're doing it is absolutely ambiguous yes so, like, even in the books, like, they, it seems like they charge the person who requests the assassination based on what they can provide, kind of like a flat tax. So, like, if you were, if you had next to nothing, you know, they would take, you know, I don't know, 90% of 
the old shoe you had. Uh, and if you had like a million dollars, they would take, you know, 90% of that. Um, but it still doesn't, it, they don't seem to have like a clear cut code or why they kill. Um, I mean, if, if your whole thing is you were a death cult, everyone's going to die. Everything, everybody deserves death for one reason or another. I mean, just talk to the high sparrow. He'll tell you all about it. Um, so I don't, I don't really understand the faceless men and how they choose their victims or, you know, targets. I don't either. I don't either. I think they, I think the show initially tried to set it up that it was some sort of uh, benevolent organization, but now I, I think it's uh, more malevolent than benevolent. 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 Vanilla. <laughs> Vanilla. Yes. Okay, so then we uh, jump from uh, Bravos to the old man's basement, and uh, Bran and <laughs> creepy Grandpa lives in a tree are uh, doing some. You know, time travel or, you know, looking back into the past, whatever you want to call it. Um, and they see this weird spira- uh, uh, spiral formation of stones around a heart tree or weirwood. Uh, it looked like a galaxy to me. And then, uh, you know, I did see a couple things online today that said it harkened back to some dead horses from uh, what the others did in a previous uh, season. In a couple of previous seasons, it was they did it both the t- in the first episode in the first scene where um, I forget who the characters were because they weren't around very long, but right. uh, that that's what they stumbled upon. And then it also happened after the uh, slaughter on the fist of the first men as well. So for so, but I think it all exists to show you what happens next. The children are around a uh, werewood, and there's a the guy. Forest rats. Yeah, forest rats is. We're going to refer to the children of the forest going forward. The forest rats are surrounding a dude who's tied up against a weirwood tree, and they shove a big, I don't know, some kind of spike of some sort. Magic spike goes into his chest, and he becomes the first white walker. And we get this later in the, um, you know, behind the scenes of the episode, which we'll get to. Uh, but they confirm that this is the Night's King. Um, it wasn't just the first White Walker. The first White Walker is this guy, and he's also the Night King. Um, but it's as we suspected. I mean, this might have come to a shock to a couple people, but um, I mean, it's a it, basically it's confirmed that the Children of the Forest or the Forest Rats uh, created the White Walkers as a form of biological warfare um, against humanity back in the day Uh, yeah i didn't have any clue that that was coming well i I mean it just uh it seemed like you know uh everybody had a story or a history and the white walkers came out of nowhere and uh it's alluded to in some of the books that the first men did war with the uh children of the forest and then they found peace so i i mean i'm not saying i came to this conclusion either Uh, i'm just saying that i heard the theory out there and it held some uh water so i'm not surprised by it sure then uh you know bran wakes up confronts uh leaf one of the uh head forest rats and was that that motherfucker's name leaf yeah yeah it's in the um the credits in an imdb but i don't think anybody (laughs) ever calls her leaf so so are the other ones there like is this branch and this is twig and this is stick Sure. Might as well be. I don't know. This is root. I think it's like Porsche and uh, Porsche, Porsche and uh, Mercedes. 
I don't know, whatever stripper names you can Stri- think of. <laughs> oh, okay. Next up on the stage, Leaf. <laughs> Leaf. No, I just, I, I, I do want to comment that they, may, you know, in the previously on, at the beginning of this episode, they showed the previous uh, children, child of the forest, a leaf, mm-hmm. the same character actually credited. Uh, but the new children of the forest are the sexier ones. Um, oh, yeah, they are. Yeah, hell yeah. But, uh, you know, essentially, you know, she says, you know, we we created the White Walkers to, to hunt to... To stop you, and she says it to Brandon. Some people are already interpreting this as saying that we built it to stop Brandon Stark in particular, and not just men as a whole. Uh, but regardless, that's some kind of that's you know unfounded speculation at this point. And to, to be honest, I read a little bit of that. That speculation makes my head explode. Yeah, uh, and it, we'll get into the end, which makes all our heads explode um, mm-hmm. eventually. But uh, I just want to point out, I would have loved some backstory about how awful the first men were. Like, if she just started talking a little bit about, like, they cut down all the, the werewoods, they hunted us mercilessly. They didn't have to film, like, um, any of these scenes. They could have just talked about it in dialogue. But I would have loved some kind of backstory about the first men who came to Westeros uh, slaughtering the children of the forest. It would have made this hit a little bit harder for me. Yeah, there's two sides to every story. I don't buy anything those forest rats are saying. There's no good tree rats. Yeah, I know. So anyway, so we then we transition. Oh, are you uh, ready? You know what? T- it's the moot. Time for the moot. I can't wait. King's moot. Yes. So finally we get to the moot. So it's, uh, I, they really need to invoke Robert's Rules of Order because that seemed like just a complete cluster. Yeah. Everyone's spread all over. Um, the scene, I don't know if the winds were actually raging like they would be at a seat. They'd never be able to hear anybody there. Yeah. But anyways, they gather and choose, and I guess anyone can state the claim to become the king. Yeah, I guess I anybody who wants to speak up seems like. It doesn't seem to be, you know... I mean, they're all people that are... The people that do speak up, it's just like in a democracy, I guess, where the people who you do have to choose from are somewhat related to the, <laughs> the people who have already been rulers before because Theon, Yara, and Euron, uh, Greyjoy are also, or they're all Greyjoys, so they're all descendants uh, or related to the previous ruler. So this is like a Kim Jong Un situation. Yeah, I mean, it's so, not like it's a real democracy here, I right. guess. So Yara gives a speech. Uh, someone interrupts, says there's never been a queen. She tries to get everybody hyped by saying she did this, she did that. Um, uh, then, of course, Somebody points to the fact that Balon Greyjoy's living male uh, descendant is there, Theon, and Theon becomes her hype man, gets people even more hype about. Right, but I wrote Yara. before that. Before you carry on, I wrote that there was like some uh, intrepidation there, and I was thinking, wouldn't it be awesome if Theon said, "Fuck it, let's do it live. <laughs> I'm your next king, Theon, yeah. motherfucking Greyjoy." <laughs> Bitches ain't shit. Yeah, <laughs> bows and tricks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I would have thought that would have been more interesting from a plot standpoint or from a narrative standpoint. But uh, you know, he was already broken. I don't know why they built up this fake tension there. But uh, I, I but I don't think it makes sense in the world of the characters as they are now. Right, exactly. Theon's already broken, and he already voices uh, intention to declare for Yara. So I don't see why they built it up as this kind of weird pregnant pause there. Because that's what they do. I mean. I guess. Yeah, uh, it, it's just off the uh, pregnant pause before the hug last week. I mean, that's that's yeah. what they do, you know. All right. So just when you think it's going to happen, everybody's cheering. Euron shows up, and uh, I mean, Euron just roasts Theon in front yeah, of him with, with some dick jokes. 
Yeah, he talks about he has a mangina. I mean, it was pretty brutal. And, you know, the entire time, uh, Yara did, I mean, she did not present as a leader. She kind of looked timid most of the time. And I don't know if that was an acting choice or if that's just Yara's face, but um, it just, she she really didn't seem to grab the crowd. No. uh, At all. And so uh, Yara says one of the first things that she's going to do if she becomes queen, she's going to execute Euron for killing uh, Balon Greyjoy. And Euron immediately admits to it. And what we actually discussed, he discusses what we talked about before, is that Balon Greyjoy appeared to be a terrible king. No one liked him. Go ahead. He was, but at the same time, it's just another person coming right out and admitting to to committing murder, and the people around him hear him out afterwards. It's just yeah. like it's just like John saying, Oh, you know, Mance Raider, your king? What happened to him? Yeah, I fucking killed him. Yeah, <laughs> like, he did. You wouldn't hear the next words out of his mouth. And if Yara would have just went up to him and slit his fucking throat, she would she would be the fucking king. That's true. Right? That's true. Yeah, that that is true. So but I'm upset about the Iron that. Iron Islanders are uh, rely more on strength and power. Right, and he said, yeah, I killed him. I should have done it years ago. And he says this later on, but he says, I paid the iron price for the kingdom. And the iron price is basically just taking what you want. And he's saying that, I guess, since he killed the previous king, um, the kingdom should be his. But at that point, why wouldn't everybody just murder each other in a nonstop endless cycle of murder? Uh, Which I would love to see. I would love to see the Iron Islands just murder themselves. If it prevents the rest of the king's boot, I'm in. Right, I mean, uh, and let's just call this, the Iron Islands are Dorn Light. Don't fucking kid yourself uh, any <laughs> of any other, don't give yourself any other illusions that the Ironborn are going to be any more relevant to the story than Dorn is. They are an well, ancillary... We don't know that. I'm going to go out on a limb, and even if uh, people are saying the Ironborn will get themselves a dragon, they're going to get, that dragon will leave them. Um, I, I just don't think they're going to be... You know, one of the main houses. It's all Stark, uh, Targaryen, Lannister, in my mind. Well, if anything, what will happen is Theon will somehow bring about the Ironborn supporting Jon and or Danny eventually. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Or yeah. Sansa, if she ends up being a power in the yes. North. One uh, of the three-headed dragon. Right. So, uh, uh, Theon accuses Euron of gallivanting around town. <laughs> yeah. Another donk joke. Is that... Is that uh, <laughs> Gallivanting, is that a word that people that had their dicks removed used? Yeah. It's, it's awful. This is just awful. Like some people think Dario is Euron, and I want to agree with him at this point because I mean it's a crazy fucking bullshit theory. But Euron's talking just like Dario would with his just bullshit like yes. mochismo and amogging um everyone around him. Uh it's awful. So Euron explains his plan is to build uh, the biggest fleet the world's ever seen and go marry Danny Targaryen by uh, by promising her that he will support her moving forward and she'll have a giant army or a giant uh, navy, I guess. Right. And that, that was the line. The line that paid the Iron Pies to, to be the king. I, I didn't buy that. I don't know. Right. And number two. So let's think of the three points um, to his speech. One was, I killed the king. He was terrible. That's all right. So obviously that's not a good point because you killed our king. Fuck you. Two, um, I'm going to uh, seduce a woman who has dragons 
Does anybody there believe there's a woman who has dragons? If so, I've got some land that you can buy. I can sell you a bridge, well, Yara no seemed to, so Yara made a comment where she seemed to know who, who that was. So yeah, I, I think I'm the sure word there's, I'm sure there's rumors, but I don't think anybody fully believes it or is willing to go to war um, that dragons have returned. Like, that just seems far-fetched, right? I mean, dragons haven't been a thing for 150 years. Um, it just seems a little far-fetched that these people are like, yeah, fucking dragons. Well, it's similar to, I'm going to build a wall. Right, and, and I did, I mean, this is something we all saw coming was the Euron Greyjoy and Trump equivalent. Uh, if it wasn't um, something that they had in mind when they filmed the scene, it sure was something they had in mind when they uh, cut together the scene. Yes. Because so every all the Ironborn go along with him almost immediately, just completely turn around. Which is crazy. Like, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. So then he's, uh, I guess, effectively nominated the king through the king's moot. He is drowned and regurgitates, uh, which I don't. I I just assume that the Ironborn perform some sort of CPR. They did. They do in the books. And in this, it's just like, well, we drowned him. Let's see if he just magically gets over it, which I think is just ridiculous bullshit. Agreed. Um, So at the same time, Yara and Theon are are in the middle of running away, which that, again, I don't understand. Why did no one, why did no one watch them? They knew it was coming. Right. Um, Uh, Well, well, here's the thing is in the, in the books and at least in the show, he did have a delegate of people who were behind him. He had he showed up with a crew of a couple hundred people and a couple hundred, a couple dozen ships, I guess, of people that were that had his back before he even showed up to the king's moot. Um, those would have been the people that watched him. He just basically showed up all by himself in the show, which is crazy, right? Yes, and then there's, there's two other people, two other Greyjoys or two other contenders in the uh, original king's moot in the book. I mean, there's there's this thing's completely off the rails. It's in the uh, the king's moot in the book took. It seemed like forever. Yeah, it took, it took yeah. three episodes, which I'm so, glad they didn't do in the show. At the very least, at least it was compressed down here right. pretty well. So once uh, once Euron arises from his drowning, he says, uh, let's go murder Theon and uh, Yara. Right. And it's hilarious because he's got this small number of guys following him. I mean, I've had classes at university that had more people follow. You know? Well, that's a, that's a problem with scale that this show has. Yeah. They just don't, they can't do scale. Um, sure. The show, like, you know, these people are, <laughs> it really feels like, you know, it's just like everybody in Westeros is about a cup, like 500 people. Yes. Total. Um, but whatever, uh, you know, I get, you know. Then you see budget. Yara and Theon have already escaped and it looked like they've had to have taken the vast majority of the people who were present for the king's boot. Yeah. And, and he says, you know, build me a thousand ships and I'll bring you the world. My my point is, or my, he, he already my problem lost, I mean, is, he'd already lost the majority of the voters. It seemed like if the that number, yeah, of yeah, who who off. is going on on these boats? Like, yes. <laughs> All right, so, but number two, where the fuck are they going? Yara and Theon are going to somewhere or someone, and the only thing that makes sense to me is he told them his plan, and they can just take his plan and and beat him to the punch, like. um she can Yara and Theon can go meet Danny and bring her, her all those ships. I mean, I don't know if there's a thousand of them, but there's a lot of them. Well, to be fair, they don't have Euron's dong with them. And I, I will say they are dongless in this situation, but we don't know if Danny swings both ways or if she's just willing to, you know, 
uh, sign a peace accord and give the Iron Islands, you know, a lot of land or strike some kind of deal that doesn't involve marriage. Like, yes. why does she have to get married in order to cement this uh, agreement with the Ironborn and the Targaryens? I don't, I don't understand that. But I think more than likely, uh, you're right, and I think um, Theon and Yara are gonna hide somewhere and go support Jon Snow or um, Sansa at some point. And look at how bad Euron's tenure is already starting out. It seems like he already lost a significant portion of the Navy. Terrible and leader. Yeah, and now he's turning around saying, hey, you all have to build ships and knit shit. I thought the whole point of the Ironborn is they don't do anything. They just go right. take stuff. Instead, yeah. he has to build a whole new industry of no, building ships. No, don't go home and work. Go, oh, uh, go swim to the mainland and kill a whole bunch of people who have boats. And yeah, and guess what? <laughs> Problem number two, they don't have any fucking resources on the Iron Islands. Right. Find every tree and trap it down. I'm I'm thinking I don't I haven't seen one fucking tree yet. On the yes. Islands, where are these trees coming from? Yes, you're on. Yeah, it, it, it's just stupid. Stupid. So I wrote I I can't see how the episode can get any worse, and then the next scene it gets worse. So uh, Danny Diario. <laughs> we go to fucking um, we go to Horsey Town. I think. <laughs> And yeah, on the outskirts of on Horsey the outskirts Town. of Horsey Town, Queen uh, Daenerys uh, is talking to the two guys that busted her out. Really didn't help that much. They just barred a door. Um, and Jorah reveals he is dying of a terminal disease called grayscale, and says, "Well, you know, I'm out of here." And she's like, "No, I command you as my queen to find a cure." And I started thinking, this is some goddamn like. Tuesday afternoon soap opera bullshit here. Um, it, it seems ridiculous. And I, I can't help but thinking, she's just toying with this guy. He just confessed his love for her. Uh, let's think about the best case scenario. Jorah goes, finds a cure for Grayscale, is all better, and comes back to Danny. You don't think she's going to come up with another excuse for why she's not going to give up that putang to, <laughs> to him? She, no, but I do safe, think that she... He is safely in the, he is safely in the friend zone. Uh, yeah, and, and I think people that have been generous have said that she found a political way to um, send him away without hurting him and yeah. saying, you know, take care of yourself, essentially, um, so that he doesn't just lay down and die. I, I, I don't think that he thinks they're ever going to get in the bone zone, but I do think it's realistic to see him return and he, he sacrificed himself in in some but, way. But or, once you say you love somebody like that, I mean, I'm sure he's just confessing it. I mean, it's just going to be awkwardness. She's not going to want him around. That's yeah. just how it is. She doesn't <clears throat> feel the same way, uh, you know. And and to not just cut it off. I understand he's. You find out the guy's dying. That sucks. But it's even more cruel to string him <laughs> along. I think, in my opinion, just tell yeah. him, you know, that fucking sucks, bro. Good luck with that. Yeah, Dara, she you said, go, just Dara, go away and get it fixed and then come back when for when I take the seven kingdoms I wrote down I don't think it works like that Dr. Salk I need Dr. Quinn medicine woman yeah there it's a couple, couple centuries uh, further on um, if this was reality which it's not part of the same timeline though I think. yeah I think it's all connected but uh, anything, it's, all, it's all canon anything else to say about this awful scene suck yeah it was just terrible Okay, so then we go to Marine. What happens to Marine? So we cut to Marine, and it's the uh, Tyrion, Varys, uh, Grey Worm, and Melisande. 
Missande are discussing how well that the pact with the wise masters is working. It appears there's been peace uh, between the Sons of the Harpy and the residents of Marine. So Tyrion decides that they need to do some public relations work and uh, publicize how Danny has been able to bring security to Marine. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, he thinks that they need to have a basically a neutral third party kind of vouch for uh, vouch for Danny, really get the word out on the streets how she's doing a super job. Right. So it cuts to uh, it cuts to uh, uh, Tyrion and uh, Varys in the throne room, and there is a new red woman there. Uh, her name is Kinvara or Kinvera. Oh, I didn't even pick that up. So I don't. I'm you. not sure if they said that or if I, I saw it online. Yeah, um, it like, might have been in the uh, closed caption too. You never know. Yeah. And so what was interesting is I didn't notice in the preview that she had the exact same choker as Melisandre did. I didn't notice wall. that either. I, I was, I mean, she's, I'll say it. I, I fell in love with her in the previews, but uh, I'm even more in love with her now. She's gorgeous. Uh, but I want to say that there's a definite parallel with uh, Tyrion getting this religious sect involved in politics that is almost as bad. And I'm sure it's not. But almost as bad as uh, Cersei uh, militarizing the the faith in uh, King's Landing. Like, sure, this seems like a bad idea. Even Tyrion said in a episode this season, this is going to be a problem when uh, talking yes. about the the followers of R'hllor. Yes, and I, I thought it was interesting that she is leading a church. She seems to be, or at least that's what I picked up. And meanwhile, Melisandre is just following around whoever's whoever's appears to be a leader at the time. Yeah, I was hoping we would get something out of her saying that, oh, Melisandre is a rogue agent. You know, she doesn't yes. represent the uh, the rest of us, but we didn't get any of that. So so uh, Tyrion begins listing off uh, titles almost in a day <laughs> as Danny would about the things that she's done, her accomplishments and um, uh, Kinvara says more or less that she already knows she came here to help. And she says that Danny is the one who was promised. So, which I, you know, is apparently the new Azor Asshat. Yep. And yep. And so now we have two Azor Asshats. Yeah. Potentially. Uh, so then, uh, Kinvara starts going into how the dragons will purify the non-believers and burn people. She and really ratcheted, this is a terrible idea. Like how she is this? ratcheted that thing up one to ten real quick. Right. Um, yeah, because I don't know that Melisandre has ever ever discussed purifying the non-believers. I mean, she's been more of I did, we need to keep the humans alive, not. I've got the only religion that matters and everybody else can go fucking die, you know? I mean, she she does that to a certain extent. Uh, definitely on the show, she burned the seven, uh, which were the uh, old gods of the people, at least on Dragonstone. I remember that scene for sure. But yeah, she doesn't seem to be um, an it's evangelizing zealot. zealot. Yes. Like, she's definitely a zealot, but she's not an evangelizing zealot. It seems like she's just like, well, you know, we're going to do this and the people are just going to fall in line. I'm not going right. to concern myself about them. But this woman seems definitely uh, concerned with the um, opinions this of the people. This flow with the blood of the non-believers. Yeah, that was uh, a quote from Beavis. Beavis. <laughs> yeah, and then and then Varys pipes up, and I and I just want to say here before I describe the scene, I just want to go on a little rant. This has been this classic is going to Doug be rant. Doug rant right here. I hate when one actor or one character in the show has to be a uncharacteristic dumbass in order to. Uh, show how great another character is, and that's what we get here with Varys. Like, 
I guess you can say Varys brings this up because he has a hatred of religion, but really Varys hates magic because a sorcerer chopped off his dick and balls and threw it into a pan of fire to, um, you know, I guess do some kind of blood magic. Um, but this, he calls her into question. She calls him well, out and says, Kinvara agrees to the premise and she agrees that she'll send out priests to proselytize on behalf of Danny. Yeah. Yeah. So she's on board, but, uh, but Vari still keeps pressing her and about like, well, you know, this one red woman, Melisandre, uh, backed Stannis and he got defeated twice. Why would why should we believe you? And then to show her power and to intimidate Varys, uh, she basically shares that she knows all about how he was. Um, he got that dong chopped. He got <laughs> how he got his dong chopped off and burned. And asked them, hey, would you like to know the name of the voice that came out of there? And I was like, well, I would like to know that. Yeah, and I'd also like to know what he said. Yeah, I would like to know all of that. Um, but I just thought it was really out of character for Varys to get that personally invested and emotional. Um, whatever. I guess you got to make this new character seem legit by having some kind of demonstration of power. And that's what happened here. But I hate I, I that know what they were the ex- doing. It just it was completely out of character for various. Right. It, it it's it's showing this one character showing her power or her value, but at the expense of another character, and that's what I don't like. Um, so it's fine. It just it just seems like obviously this doesn't seem like a good idea for for uh, no. Varys and Tyrion. And I don't even know why they need this PR campaign. If everything's going well, if they said there's been no murders, no. Sons of the Harpy have been have attacked. No former masters have been killed. Uh, I I just didn't understand the need for this PR campaign. And not only that, they'd be doing a damn good job because the the commoners of Marine should know that the Sons of the Harpy are not attacking from within. They're foreigners or they're mercenaries, as I or at least I think they're mercenaries. I think that's what we were supposed to understand. Right. I don't. I don't and, know why he would. He would. She would need it at and, this point. And in the previous episode, when they uh, in this episode when they said we need somebody who's without repute, somebody that people trust. I was thinking they've already discovered this person. It's um, Sandy and Grey Worm because yes. they're the two that were without repute that backed up Tyrion's plan last week. So why not have Grey Worm say, "Hey, listen, you know." I was wrong, you know, this is actually working, and Tyrion and, you know, being the voice of Danny is really working things out. They could have had him be a emissary to at least the Freeman, right? I, yeah, maybe. I don't know if they if she, he's too in, in bed with Danny. I mean, not, if, from a metaphorical sense, I don't know. I don't know. And then the other question that the scene raised to me is if somebody's using various dong to see things, and it's a perhaps a, a red priest, it, does he have uh, royal blood in him? Ding, 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 ding. So in the show, uh, or in the books, rather, this is the show. So this is a little tangent. This is one of Doug's tangents. We'll classic up, Doug. Classic Doug tangents. Anyway, um, in the books, there is, well, actually, in another book, a prequel called Doug and e- uh, Egg, Duncan Egg, sorry. Uh, the main characters, uh, one of them is a Targaryen little boy who shaves his head to hide the fact that he's a Targaryen. And a lot of people think that that's what Varys is doing. He's a Targaryen, but from a line of 
rebel Targaryens called the Blackfires? This is all irrelevant in the show because in the books, Varys is definitely a proponent of a Aegon, uh, basically, essentially a usurper to the throne that has Targaryen blood but isn't uh, from the main line of the Targaryens. In the show, it really doesn't matter, but at the same time, it does raise an interesting question. Could Varys be a Targaryen who has had his head shaved and his balls removed to remove him as a threat? Oh, shit. You know what? What if he had his balls removed because it'd be easier to ride the third dragon? Yeah, I mean, you don't want to get chafed, especially down there. Yeah, I mean, his balls wouldn't get beaten up. Okay, anything else you want to say about uh, Marine before we leave it in the dust? Well, eventually, uh, Ken Vara says, uh, I'm on board. We both serve the same queen, so... Oh, yeah, there was a veiled threat. Uh, basically, mm-hmm. if you serve our queen and your uh, faith is true, you have nothing to fear from me. Insinuating yes. that he has things to fear from her um, in other circumstances that she somehow determines. So, well, she can't go back and cut his dong off again. I get. Uh, maybe she can do that. Maybe that's within her power. Oh, I, shit, I have yeah, no maybe idea. she can resurrect it. Yeah, how, can does bring, she, how does she know this? If one of these red priestesses can bring Jon Snow back from the dead, I don't see why they can't bring Varys' wiener back from the dead. I see the Night's King raising his arms slowly and then wieners <laughs> rising. <laughs> And suddenly, suddenly Varys Mumu becomes, he pitches a tent. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Okay, so, yeah, but I, how does she even know any of this about the sorcerer? She says a second-rate sorcerer, so it probably wasn't a red priest. Uh, how does she know any of this? Who knows? It's a mystery. It, it, Doug, it is known. It is It is known. Okay, so then we go back to the old man's basement, and uh, Bran wakes up, everybody's asleep, and he decides to do some unauthorized uh, tree jumping? How would you describe this? He jacks into the tree matrix. Yeah, he goes, he jacks, jacks off into the tree matrix, unauthorized. And, and I thought he was he was throwing things at the raven to see if he was awake. I thought he was going to have a little pant rummage. But. <laughs> it's like, well, maybe he won't see me do this. That's disgusting. Yeah. I think penises still work when you're... Um, you're from the paralyzed. yeah from the waist down probably or at least you want to you know you want to see if the, there's any signs of life make sure it's still there right but anyway so he goes back in time to any place he wants i imagine or was he taken to this place automatically i don't know but it's the same place from the previous scene it's uh but obviously the it's snowy now um and it's the same weirwood in the spiral uh stone formation and Bran's there, and he sees an army full of dead people. Uh, he walks through them all, and he sees the Night King and his uh, lieutenants. And all of a sudden, the Night King sees him, the zombies see them, him, and he's grabbed by the Night King. Uh, it, Doug? Yes? Not zombies. Whites. Okay, whites. Fine. Jesus, we'll have this argument again later. I'm not letting you go. It's fucking zombies. <laughs> Anyway, so he's grabbed by the Night's King, and somehow that breaks the the protection he has. This is some... I didn't like this at all, because this just reeked of, like, high fantasy, and I don't know what the rules are. Because he touched him in a dream, now he knows where he is, and he can come get him and get past all the magic. How did he see magic. him in the first place? Yeah, it's just too many questions here that I just don't like. Uh, and it's not like I wouldn't like them, I just want some explanation. Uh, because we're about to get a whole lot of unexplained magic bullshit, uh, and it's just too much. 
Um, Agreed. But basically, he wakes up and says, oh, I fucked up. The guy, you know, saw me. He's like, did he touch you? He's like, he touched you. Uh, yep, he touched show, you. Show he me says, where he touched you. On, show me where on he the street, you. On this tree rat. Or forest rat. Forest rat. So, uh, yeah, he says, well, you're no longer safe here. You've got to get going. Uh, it's time for what? For you to become me. And what the fuck does that mean? And they initially, they immediately start warging uh, or going back to the tree matrix. Their eyes go white, and that's where they cut away. Um, so I, I I hate doing this, but I got to cut back to the behind the scenes again because it's another situation where it wasn't clear in the show. But the double D's say that at this point, uh, the three eyed raven is trying to upload all the information into Brand that he can, uh, and that just didn't come across in the show. Uh, I mean, it could be inferred, but it definitely was not on the face of what happened. No, and we'll get there when we go back to the old man's basement in a minute. Um, but I just thought it, it didn't just it just didn't come off. So uh, that's all I have to say about it. this is a qu- uh, quick little scene. Then we go off to the wall. What happens there? Yes. So we're back at uh, Night's Watch and Davos, Brienne, John, Sansa, Tormund, uh, the Red Woman. So they discuss the current status of the houses and... Uh, Sansa brings up that uh, Blackfish of the House Tully has reunited his army. He's supposed to be a formidable warrior. And when asked how she knows that, she lies about it. And uh, she lies smooth as silk, too. Yes, absolutely. She says that Ramsay had a, had a raven and whatever. Yes, and she said, yes, and as opposed to she talked to Littlefinger. So that, I mean, that brings in a lot of questions as far as her relationship with with Littlefinger at this point and what play, part he's going to play in the thing. Or her relationship to John. Did did Littlefinger's yes. Little dig it like he's her half-brother? Did that yes. affect her and she doesn't want to trust him? Uh, or does she not want to involve Littlefinger? She's done with Littlefinger, but she wants to use that information and not acknowledge that he's a, he's there or he visited her. I don't know. And we also had some uh, lesser Coach Davos moments, but at least we had a little bit of cat Coach Davos in there. Yeah, he just so, he just laid it on the line. He didn't really, yeah, uh, do anything uh, of any <laughs> any significance. He didn't give anybody. But a he, he is the great expositor. He did <laughs> provide some context for it. And, uh, so, anyways, it cuts to a scene of Brienne talking to um, talking to Sansa in private, and. Uh, uh, Sansa is going to send Brienne to rally the Blackfish, um, and Brienne is, of course, worried about leaving Sansa with all the people there because there's some characters there she doesn't necessarily trust. Um, yeah, and the I wrote woman in Davos. Or, Tormund's, yes. Tormund's uh, aggressive, unwanted sexual advances are hilarious. <laughs> I, they're not aggressive. <laughs> they're pretty. They're pretty blatant. They might not be aggressive, but they're yeah. pretty blatant. Well, yeah, Brienne even says in that wildling with the beard. <laughs> yeah, so I assume that you went back and watched that scene. <laughs> yeah, I did, and you're absolutely right. I don't know how I missed it. It's yes. definitely creepy, and it was one of the more comical moments of last episode. So yes, so Sansa says she trusts John to keep her safe, which is a which then Brienne raises the question of why did she lie about how right. she knew about River Run? If she trusts John, why would she lie? Right. Yeah, so, no answer. And I was pissed that they didn't give an answer about yeah, that. Yeah, it was a bullshit, um, whatever, bullshit uh, cliffhanger, I guess. But uh, yes. But then they go out to the yard, and Sansa, Sansa. had knitted uh, a new coat for John, I guess. I think she sewed together pelts. Yeah, whatever. 
Yeah, and then did some leather work. Leather that she work. to do. Yes. And uh, they, that group joins up to ride off to somewhere. Yeah, I, I, that wasn't uh, explicitly clear. Like, it, it made it seem like Brienne's going her own way to deliver a message to Riverrun. But yes. they all seem to be leaving together, and I assume the rest of the party's off to gather strength of those minor houses to get them together to form an army. That was my assumption. I, I think that's the only way it could be interpreted. I don't know where else they would be going, obviously. Right, I would have just loved, I mean, just like one line of dialogue would have set that straight for me. I don't know why it was yeah, left out. I, yeah, I don't know. But, of course, we also had a great uh, moment where Tormund was staring at uh, Brienne. Right. Like a fucking <laughs> just, creep. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't think he's a creep. Like I, I, in the world of in that world, if he was a creep, he would have already tried to uh, sneak in her bedchambers and rape her or something. I, I guess. I mean, it's this weird fascination. It's obviously like a sick fascination, and it's creepy. I mean, like you know, I've been, you know, I think it's gonna be hard for you to believe, and it's gonna be hard for the listeners to believe. But I've been that creepy guy who found somebody attractive and had no idea how to approach them, and I figure that's what Tormund's got going on, like. He seems so uh, with it and such an alpha that uh, he can get whatever he wants and he he's not shy around women, but it seems to be like she's just extraordinary, extraordinary. There's that little something extra, and it's probably about two feet of height. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, that, you know, puts him off kilter and gets him out of his comfort zone as far as talking to women, so... I think it's funny the names that they people have come up for their relationship. Oh, let's hear Leonard. it, please. Let's hear uh, it. Yeah, the one that I really I enjoy, I've seen a few times is the bear fucker in the maiden fair. The <laughs> <laughs> people are. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, All so right. then take us back to the tree matrix. Okay, before I want to before I go to the tree matrix, I want to show that uh, Dolores has finally come to his own, oh, and yes, he yes. is the uh, sitting Lord Commander. Um, that was kind of pleasant to see him like unofficially officially announced as the Lord Commander. So, but I don't know why they're not going to go back and play ring toss again and decide who gets to be the actual Lord Commander. I, I imagine they could, but if he does a good job in the interim, you know, it's like, you know, he has, it's like sitting pretty. It's like, you know, JFK gets his head blown off and you're promoted to <laughs> sitting president. You've basically got it. It's, it's an easy win for the next election in my oh, opinion. The, yeah. The parallel is flawless. Well, hey, this guy was assassinated, so I think that's a pretty clear-cut uh, parallel, sure. you fucking piece of shit. Anyway, uh, going on to the next uh, scene, we're back in the tree matrix, or um, Grandpa lives in a tree's house, and uh, this is where the meat and potatoes gets gets going of this episode. Uh, there's just so much to unpack. Let's try to get through this. So Mira, you know, she's talking to Hodor. Uh, Grandpa lives in a tree, and Bran are wide-eyed and off visiting Winterfell for some reason, which we'll get back to. And all of a sudden, Mira stops talking to Hodor, and she has this weird... There's no sound. There's no inkling, but she somehow knows that the Night King is there, and she runs off to the beginning of the cave. Well, the reason why you, she... No, I, th- I, I, did, I, do, I do think I know what the trigger for that please, was. Please tell is me. Is that um, you saw Bran's uh, breath condensing. So it got very... It got colder. Oh, and, okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. That that has also, to do with my shitty Wi-Fi up, connection here at the uh, beach. I don't have great also, Wi-Fi. Uh, so I, I wanted to bring that. up that Mira and Hodor had a conversation about what foods they were going to eat, enough that probably George R. R. Martin at least got half a chub. He got his pants all the way down before he had to put them back up. Yes. 
All right, so uh, she goes outside and she sees the Night King and a full army full of dead people are there. And um, the Night King does a ground pound to test the defenses, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it looked like a Street Fighter 2 move. Yeah. <laughs> it's the kind of thing where he punches the ground and everybody, you know, his opponents fall to the ground stunned because the, the earth has shook, be- shook beneath them. Anyway, and they're like, oh crap, it's on. Um, and Mira heads inside and she grabs a, sp- a spear that's just laying by the cave door, which comes up huge later. But um, Leaf and the other people, uh, the other tree rats or the forest rats, as we're calling them, um, throw some firebombs to keep them at bay. But Bran's off and dreaming. Uh, <laughs> please interrupt me. The nading was not. <laughs> they were trying to nade them. Yeah, they were trying to noob tube them, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but what I I didn't understand is they didn't seem to throw any of the fire bombs at the others or the White Walkers. It was all against the dead people, which it seemed odd. But anyway, um, Bran's still dreaming. Um, when uh, Mira gets back to him, um, he's dreaming of Winterfell and the day that Ned leaves to go to the Eyrie, and this seems like it's a you know, like, why are we showing this? And it becomes clear later why they're showing them, why the Three-Eyed Raven's showing him this, I guess. Uh, but, uh, you know, basically, shit starts to deteriorate. The uh, forest rats can't keep the Night's uh, King and his boys away too much longer. And They're able to walk through the, the fire, and at the same time, all the whites are digging at the roots of the tree. Right, so, there. so they go in the back entrance, and while the White Walkers go through the front door, uh, and Mira's screaming at Bran while he's in his warging state to uh, to go into Hodor, um, and the Three-Eyed Raven actually encourages this. Um, you know, he's like, listen to your friend, Bran. Um so while they're f- trying to fight fight the uh, White Walkers off and the um, the dead people, it's just like confusion. The Whites. Okay, so uh, one of the uh, forest rats throws a, sp- a spear at one of the White Walkers, and he just brushes it off. And then Mira throws another spear at the guy, and he disintegrates, making me believe that uh, Mira threw a um, obsidian uh, tipped. Spear, and then I started thinking, why the fuck didn't all the children of the forest have these weapons? It yes. didn't make a lot of sense, did it? No, no, it did not. Uh, anyway, um, so shit's going down. The um, the dead people are coming in through the roof. Uh, the White Walkers are coming in through the front door. Everything looks shitty. Um, Bran starts to warg Hodor in the present day. Hodor wakes up, picks up Bran, and starts dragging him through the back entrance, or the back exit, rather. And, um... (laughs) Bran's still, like, dreaming of being in Winterfell, um, for some reason. And they're they're trying to escape. You know, Bran in the present day warging is going off with Hodor and Mira and Leaf. And the Night's King comes in and kills the three-eyed raven Bran sees that in his warging in in the past in um winterfell please help me at any time because i'm trying to make sense of this still i've watched it twice and it was a lot of a lot of cuts a lot of action but i think you're largely right so far the the thing that you i don't think you mentioned so far that has already 
happened in this series of events is that Summer got attacked prior to the Night's King killing the three. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I wanted to show that, like, I wanted to say that, Jesus, these direwolves suck. I think I want to mark it all down to production costs and choices. But, like, we definitely haven't seen these direwolves as much as we needed to. And two, they just seem to be cutting them off and killing them. uh, No big deal. Hoity-toity style. I didn't like it. That was shitty. And, you know, to be honest with you, the deaths of the of the of the direwolves affect me more than I think any human characters. I, I, I said the same thing. I was yeah. I said like you know fuck Hodor. I'm pissed off that Summer died. Yes. Like that's shitty. Like something. Like, so Hodor, Hodor might be somewhat innocent, but he's not as innocent as a wild animal for Christ's sake. And now we're down to I think two of the six are still alive unless you think that Shaggy Dog is alive. Then we might have three of the six left. Right. And, and for something that was, the, I mean, the direwolves were set up seemingly like a very important part of the story. Right. And it seems like they've all met senseless or wasted deaths throughout this thing. I agree, um, especially in the show. Uh, it seems to be a waste. And I don't and know, course, if, and, and they haven't kept alive uh, Arya's direwolf who escaped in season one. They haven't even brought her up in an ancillary way as they do in the books. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if they'll ever get back to her. Um, and of course, I, I think that this was just the writers trying to uh, create a pretty dumb metaphor. Summer dies, winter begins. I mean, it's it's pretty uh, heavy handed. It's yeah, very heavy handed, very on the nose. I I. I just, I just, I don't know what it is, but I hate seeing fake wolves being killed. Yeah, and 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 I think to your point, it's senselessly. That's the problem I have with yes. the show as a whole. Like, I don't mind violence. I don't mind sex when it serves a storytelling purpose. And time and a time again, the reason why I bitch about this show is that I feel like when they show this stuff, it's senseless and it doesn't serve the narrative. I think D and D would argue that. It is actually a physical manifestation of summer dying and winter beginning. So that's what we're going to see. And I think they also would also say that uh, summer died to help Bran escape by slowing down the whites. But I don't think they're, I mean, I don't think that but, summer's but three, death slowed yeah, down the whites and, and, at all. And his sacrifice is meaningless because two other people sacrifice themselves to slow down the whites and the dead people. So it's well, just lost in the confusion. One other, one other person. One no, just, Leaf does it too. And we'll yeah, get to no, it. No, that's so, not a person. That's a tree rat. Oh, yeah. It's a tree rat. A so that, doesn't, that doesn't count. That's like a yeah. third of a person. So they're they're escaping down this tunnel, and Leaf just stops walking. And this is a trope that happens in movies all the time, and I fucking hate yes. it. Where it's this goddamn meaningless self-sacrifice. It doesn't make any sense. She's just like, go on without me. And she's going to sacrifice herself and blow up one of her tree bombs um, or fire bombs to take out a lot of the uh, smart acorns. Yeah. And I, I just I just said it was meaningless. And it's it's so because there was no need for her to do that. She could have just thrown the goddamn grenade. Maybe she had to overcharge it, I guess. Uh, but we don't know how that magic works. But I, I want to point to like a, a, a scene that's very similar in Aliens that actually worked a lot better. Do you remember the movie? Aliens, the sequel, James Cameron's sequel to I've Aliens. never seen it. Oh, well, okay. So essentially there's these two guys, are go- the, uh, well, the group of people that are trying to run from the aliens, they're in these vents, and uh, they get lost from the rest of the guys because one gets injured, 
and a guy goes back for the injured person and the aliens they're running for are coming up on them, but they are also coming from the other direction and they're cornered. So you have these people that are coming in, these enemies that are coming in from all sides, and he's like, well, fuck it. And they land a grenade because they're all dead anyway. That was not the situation here because Leaf could have just kept going and just threw a grenade like over her back. Like while yeah. she's running, she could have like she could have done anything else. Like, and what the children of the force have like twelve grenades? Where, and where that's, what? And let's think. What is what is the extent of the powers of the children of the force? One, they can throw fire bombs. Two, who the fuck knows? Because they can't do goddamn else besides that, right? Three, they're super shitheads. They can live forever. That's about it. So yeah, they suck. I'm disappointed, and that goes to a bigger point. Uh, what the fuck is the three eyed raven teaching Bran? He's, he's uploading Wikipedia. Yeah, the that's tree it. Matrix. It's just it's it's all like um it's all knowledge, which which pisses me off because at least in the books, the three eyed raven can control uh animals and and other people like Brand's doing with Hodor. Um, so yeah, I thought we get what, a lot more of that. Po- shit. I mean, so what is the point of the three eyed raven? That's if what it's I'm so saying. Important, they have anything. They have seconds left or minutes left, and he takes them back to Winterfell to see how. Hodor, how Willis becomes Hodor. Okay, that I, I have a theory about that, but we'll get to it. But I, I okay. want to make the greater point that you're absolutely right. What the fuck does it... How is the Three-Eyed Raven so powerful when all he can do is look at history? Um, yeah. Because we didn't see the Three-Eyed Raven could affect the past like Bran can. Bran can actually change the past or uh, affect the past. We've seen nothing that of that out of the Three-Eyed Raven. Anyway, moving on. So... Um, Leaf kills herself and stops them for a little bit, just like, you know, Summer died. But Summer was actually better because he went down fighting and he just got surrounded. So it wasn't really self-sacrifice. He just Pri- got... Prison yard style. Yeah, just he just got shanks. shanks. Yeah. All right, so... Um, I've watched enough lockup to recognize that. <laughs> you know, when I go back and watch Oz, I've never seen it. I imagine there's lots of shanking. I've never seen it, but I fucking love lockup. Anyways. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, so Hodor opens the door and closes the door to the back door of the cave and allow Bran and Mira to run away. And Mira's running over, yelling over her shoulder, hold the door. I, the, the first shot to me was, why is there a goddamn back door to this cave? I agree. It's it what seems crazy. Whatever it's it, it I'm I'm sure you know I'm not gonna there's so many weird things and fucked up things wrong with this episode I'm not gonna take that to task but essentially uh, Hodor is charged with holding the door and then we cut to Bran who's warging back into Winterfell and at the same time as Mira's yelling hold the door uh, Hodor in the past starts having a seizure and repeating hold the door hold the door and eventually Hodor. And that's when Bray realizes what a douchebag he is. And that's uh, and I want to I, I want to try to unpack this with you. Please tell me what you think is going on because all I can all I know for sure is that Bran caused Hodor to be the way he is somehow. And I feel like the three eyed Raven showed him Winterfell at this time to see Hodor becoming um, crippled in this way to impart some kind of deeper lesson about how fucked up uh or how dangerous his powers are or how the gravity of his powers are that's the only way i make sense of this but 
what the fuck actually happens? I, I, well, I think it's just a, a, a matter of showing him that with great power comes great responsibility. And somehow if you warn someone at the same time, you're, I don't, I mean, there's not really a real explanation, right? I don't know, know what happens. It, does Bran warg Hodor in the past to make him go into that convulsion? Did he actively assign no, I, him that? I, don't, I, mean, I my, didn't think so as well, but it, it's not really clear. My guess is that somehow wires were crossed. If he's observing him in the past while warging him in the future. Um, oh, that, that makes a lot more sense. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the simple explanation. And then the three... But that Raven, seems like something that's easily avoided. And doesn't really that, but but that, that, but if that that's the whole thing is that Ray, the three eyed raven says multiple times the ink is already dry, you can't change the past, you know. So this is going to happen, and it has to happen because it's very deterministic. But you know, that's it, but that's where you get into the bullshit paradox, and what a lot of people on the internet are pissed off about is like, you know, well, you know, really anything's possible as long as he intended to do it all along. Like that doesn't make any sense. Right. And the thing, I mean, there's so many questions. The three eyed Raven could have said to Brandon at any time, hey, uh, warg around if you want to, or go back in the future or past or whatever. Just don't let a Knight's King touch you. I mean, yeah, that yeah, that would have been the simplest thing. <laughs> hey, we can do whatever we want here. Um, but, uh, you know, don't let the guy, uh, the main bad guy, touch you. Yeah, just like when he initially touched him. Because he like, knew right away. So if yeah, he knew right he away, you could have imparted because that. Because he already enough. knew. Because he, he knew before that it would happen before because he knows everything. I mean, you can and that, get... Yeah, that, that just makes my brain hurt. This whole thing is just making my brain so hurt so deep on this. And then there's theories out there about Bran being actually Bran the Builder and also... Bran right, time-traveling that, that deep. But I will <sighs> say, like, uh, what... Uh, I, I it yeah it there's just too much. Yes. All right. Any any concluding thoughts on this scene or the episode as a whole before we give our ratings and talk about next week's episode? Well, I I do think that the Hodor the last Hodor scene was well written to obtain a response that it apparently did based on the reaction of the internet. I agree, but how did it affect you? I was more upset about summer. <laughs> I was more upset about summer as well, but and I thought, oh, that's kind of clever, I guess. But that's how that's how the Hodor hold the door thing affected me. I was just like, oh, okay, that's kind of clever. A lot of people yeah. were like, oh man, if you're not crying right now, you're a ho- you're a soulless piece of shit. And I'm thinking, god damn it, you don't, <laughs> you're an idiot. I want to unfriend you right now. I, I don't know if I uh, if if the death of any person in the show affects me anymore because I almost expect them to be That's killed. my thing, is these people don't feel like real people to me at all, at least not in the show. It seems like everybody's like a, a paper a doll at this point. Yes. And everybody's going to get killed. Like, a main character legit has died every fucking episode this season. So why would you not expect everybody? I mean, everybody, even Tyrion and Jon... I mean, I don't, I don't think they'll die, but I wouldn't be shocked if they did. So, and I think that people are re. I mean, the people I identify with Hodor, uh, a lot of them say that, uh, you know, he was the purest character, and he knew, like, his because of that incident, he knew how he was going to die his entire life. He just didn't know exactly when, and so his life was terrible because of that. It's all because, of, I mean, it's a lot of stuff to assign to a fictional character, right? And I try to buy into this stuff. And I don't blame people who do buy that far into it, 
I just don't buy that far into it. And I really just, it's hard for me to have, to think that deeply and have that many emotions about a fictional character. At least on such a emotional level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So as a whole, I, if I'm going to encapsulate this episode, I don't know what's happening. Great. Hodor held the door for what? Two minutes, three minutes. Mira's off on her own. Well, you know what we're gonna. You know what this leads to. We're, we're seeing. We're gonna see Benjamin and or Cold Hands. Oh God, I hope so. No, that's that. Th- this is uh, a little secret. If you want to get an idea of what's gonna happen. Oh, next are you reading episode. like r- legit spoilers? Like, no. If you go to the IMDb, yeah, they will have the characters for the next episode. Oh, and and Cold Hands is cast for the next episode. No, uh, the guy who played Benjamin Stark is cast in the next oh. episode and he's called something like brother from beyond the wall or something instead of Benjamin Stark. So I'm guessing. Oh, and by they, the way, guys, uh, we're an hour and a half into the episode spoilers. So if you didn't want spoilers, you shouldn't have been listening the entire time or removed the first part of that. <laughs> you shouldn't have been listening. You shouldn't but, have been listening uh, at all. And, and actually, you know what? I think, um, this bears some bears, uh, a, a brief discussion Doug, if you could explain who Cold Hands is. Okay, so very briefly. It's not been introduced in the show. Very briefly. um, When Bran, Mira, and Jojen, Mira, and Jojen, and uh, Summer uh, go north of the Wall, uh, they are let in by Sam and Gilly that are going south of the Wall. And Sam says, well, this kind gentleman, Cold Hands, uh, escorted us back, and he's here to take you to the Three-Eyed Raven. And Cold Hands is a fucking dead guy that seems to be a good dead guy. And yeah, he's, a, in, he's a white. He's a white, but he's in the employ of the uh, Three-Eyed Raven, which, once again, this is another power of the Three-Eyed Raven that the show hasn't chosen to uh, delve into. From all we know in the show, the Three-Eyed Raven could just see the past, and that's it, and maybe influence dreams and get people to come to him. That's it. Um and a lot of people have um, theorized that Cold Hands was actually Ben Benjamin Stark because the the white uh, that's doing this is dressed in all black, uh, alluding to the fact that he very well may be a Night's Watch brother. Which, for anybody who doesn't remember, Benjamin is Jon Snow's uncle, right? And he was in the first several episodes. And then he ranged out. He was a ranger, so he went out from Castle Black to survey out beyond the wall. And he never returned, but his horse did return un- unmanned. Yeah, and he was in the episode two episodes ago when they uh, went back to Winterfeld and, uh, you know, long time ago when Ned was fighting him. So they reinforced his presence there and they reinforced his pres- the presence of Lyanna, which I'm hoping will get the Tower of Joy at some point, but <laughs> now with that. The, yeah, exactly. I feel like they're going to hold it to the end of this season, if not beginning of next. So, well, we'll the tree see. matrix is dead. So, can he? He's, well, he can't hack into the mainframe anymore. Well, the idea is he just needs to be in some. He just needs to be close to some weirwood, and there's weirwoods all over the place. This gotcha. is just the weirwood where Grandpa lives in the tree was. So, I would think that Bran could, could jack in. <laughs> Jack into the tree at, at any tree uh, at any uh, weirwood, but who knows? Somebody find me a shrub. <laughs> I gotta get online. 
All right, so uh, moving on, let's give our review or uh, ratings. I want to say when I first watched this episode, I was severely disappointed by all the stuff in the middle, but the I gotta admit that this whole Hodor thing has got me talking, thinking about the episode more than I want, um, and I guess that's good. Uh, I don't know; it's gonna really pay off in the next. So I initially had this episode at a, at a two because it really pissed me off with the Danny stuff, the King's Moot. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and give it a three and a half because it confused me enough to keep me interested. Doug, I am withholding judgment until a later date. I don't think you can do that. I just did it. Well, you're fired again. So yes. your replacement will be along next week. My next Monday is but, free. All right. So give me, give me, give me two results then. I'll, I'll cut you a break. Give me the result. If nothing comes to pass or if Everything your greatest or the best case scenario comes to pass. Give me your two ratings. For the former a one, for the latter a five. Wow, that's a that's a pretty big split decision. <laughs> no, so I I, I, it, I really I'm very ambivalent about this episode. I just I don't I don't I don't I I, I just can't give it a rating. I don't know if I liked it. I don't know if I hated it. I, I'll I, say, I, really, I, I told you the same thing at the beginning of this episode. I said, yeah. I have no idea how I feel about this episode, but I want to say, since I'm talking about it with a lot of fervor, I feel that it's effective in some way, and I don't know if it's the right way or a good way, but I it's feel that... It's definitely not because you've had a couple dozen beers on vacation. And several uh, glasses of uh, Cabernet. But regardless, I feel like I was thinking about it more than I thought about the other episodes, so that's got to be meaningful, I guess guess if it pays off and, and you're right i i should reserve judgment but i'm going to say it's you know i'm gonna give it a three and a half 3.5 fair enough i'd just like to continue to undermine the rating process okay great you can do that every week until you're yes. fired okay so uh, what happens in the next week on so we see the uh whites pursuing mira and presumably that leave to benjen and cold hands which and is crazy also, thanks for break, breaking that news to me at sure. least sure and i mean uh, there has to have been something yeah i knew benjen would there. come back at some point uh and it just yeah, makes and sense also it didn't make any sense that they would be able to outrun the whites right even though they went out the back door i mean it's not like a it's not like a movie where a guy's chasing a guy and there's like they jumps out the bathroom window or something like that you know i just thought they went across a border and were like okay i'm safe in mexico well that's that's another theory is that uh that the knight's king is intentionally letting bran go so that he can go through the wall uh suddenly the wall loses the magical power that oh it was endowed with and and i hate to put a pin in this but i want to go back to um uh a scene two seasons ago about um John saying, hey, don't let the wall fall down while I'm gone or get knocked yes. down. And I said, that's probably foreshadowing. Yes, absolutely. I, could I be. definitely think the wall is going to fall at some point, uh, either metaphorically, like there's a hole in it or the white walkers get past it or it actually does crumble. But I thought that was obvious foreshadowing. Your thoughts on yes. that? I agree. Uh, I, I, we don't have any horns. Right. But. The show is a lot less horny than we expected it to be. Um, wow. Awful. Oh, let's cut that. Uh, <laughs> nope. So, <laughs> so I, I think that's that That would be a good prediction of what will happen. But I'm not sure, entirely sure that the wall, despite I know there's been descriptions that is there is magic to it. 
I don't know that we've seen any evidence of magic to it. It might just be a giant wall, you know? Could be built by Rand Stark by time traveling into the past. You never know. Oh, this is going to make my head hurt. All right, but then we go down to Silly. Silly is going to, and for those who don't know, Sam and Gilly, now known as Silly, are going to Horn Hill. And uh, Gilly says, you didn't tell them I was a wildling? This Basically. is a real guess who's coming to dinner situation. Exactly. I called this episodes back when I said this yes. is going to be a monster-in-law situation. Only it appears that um, Sam's dad, um, I forgot the guy's name. Uh, Some jerk. Tarly. Tarly, uh, uh, his dad, uh, whatever it is. Uh, you're going to leave your angry comments in the, uh, the outbox because we're not going to read them. But uh, Sam's dad is obviously going to play the role of the um, mother-in-law here and not be down for a wildling um, woman and her child just coming into Horn Hill and squatting, essentially. Well, imagine if you were a king or at least uh, not a king, uh, some sort of royal person, and you got this beyond-the-wall trash showing up there. I don't think you'd enjoy her there. Yeah, but this guy, this this uh, senior Tarsi... <laughs> So who was your father? Senior Tarly. Oh, who was your father? Oh, he was also my grandfather. Oh, who's the who's the father of your baby? Uh, that'd be my grandfather. No, no, that's actually my dad. I forgot how that all works. But uh, yeah, but uh, essentially, <laughs> essentially the get Craster's trash out of there. Yeah, but like I said in a previous episode, uh, he sent Sam away because he was so unmanly. To the yeah. wall, um, that I feel like if he came back with a bastard, he'd be like, "Well, I'm mad at him, and I don't want to k- take care of this wildling trash." But at the same time, way to go, son! Way to knock up some wildling trash. Yeah, but that's, that'd be like that'd be like knocking up a prostitute, or yeah, I, I don't even know what an appropriate uh, analogy is. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. It's gonna be, uh, I would think, nothing but hilarious until um, uh, Senor. Tarly gets a little bit too aggressive or he's going to be psycho. I mean, he's just a piece of shit in the books, so I can't wait yes. to see what it is in the show. Uh, okay, then we cut to uh, King's Landing. Oh, and I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt, but one one other thing is I wonder if um, John's going to show up at the same time and attempt to, or eventually, not necessarily next episode, but soon, in an attempt to rally the Tarleys for uh the stark banner no that's way they're way too far south if that happens i'll flip a table all right so i don't i yeah gee consider yourself warned table okay table look out but i i don't think it's gonna happen i think they're too far away they're not in the north but um going we're we're gonna smash cut to uh king's landing the high sparrow is parading large marge around saying she has sinned uh and then we cut to jamie and uh, cersei talking big quick jumps there Bunch of quick jumps, but basically Jamie and Mace, the baddest motherfucker on the planet, uh, leading the Tyrell army um, against the uh, High Sparrow. And I can't help but think it's going to be blue balls. And we're not going to see a real confrontation here. Oh, they better not. I mean, I think the only confrontation we know that's going to happen is going to be Robert Strong or Sir Gregor, as they call him in the show, uh, killing a whole bunch of um, Faith Militant. I, I really don't think there's going to be... I think they're going to parade all those people out and somehow either Marjorie's going to turn and defuse the situation. Something's going to happen and we're not going to get a battle there. 
Yeah. Like, what she says, what if I just show a little bit of butt while I do this? Yeah. What if I show my shoulder? Yeah. And I like, just what walk, if I do? I walk 10 yards to the, <laughs> to the, yeah. to the closest, uh, pub. Tell you what, I'll take out my left breast and do a jumping jack. How does that grab you? On one foot. One foot bounce. <laughs> All right. So, um, oh, and then we see Danny and Diarrijo. Leaving Horsey Town. Yeah, and there's uh, there's nothing of consequence that gets said. He's just like, you know you're a conqueror. And she's like, yeah, I know that shit. I take what's mine. I take what's mine. And I'm like, this doesn't this doesn't get me interested in the, the next episode at all. Like, no. what's happening here? Nothing. No, so the only intriguing thing is to see what the story is with Benjamin and Cold Hands. Uh, other than that, looks like a bunch of garbage yeah, I feel maybe, like maybe it could some be funny a, stuff will happen with the Tarleys. But yeah, I, I expect some com- com- comedic relief with the Tarleys. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't see much of consequence happening because I really don't see the tire the Tyrell standoff happening uh, or going down in bloodshed. I feel like it's going to be blue balls. So no, you would think right. that they, if there was actually the conflict next week, they would show someone swinging a sword or right. anything happening. Right. It's just a uh, a lot of bluffing. So I don't think it's going to happen. Yes. Uh, what do you think about the inside of the episode? Um, I, d- I didn't take any notes on that. I watched it. I, I just, I, I'm, I think I'm done with that segment. Yeah, I'm done with that segment as well. The only thing I, I watched it because, and I mentioned it twice in the review that we went through, uh, that they enlightened two separate things for us. One was the guy who was sacrificed um, in the first vision by Bran was the original Night's King or the original yes. White Walker. They did definitely say that in the behind the episode, but I feel like that didn't track in the uh, show. I feel like they just created that. All we needed to know was they created the White Walkers. That's it. It's funny, you know. I've heard somebody not too long ago discuss how uh, narrative narratives make lazy storytelling. How do you mean? <laughs> That's what those assholes said. Oh, the, oh no, 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 no. I'm sorry. They, they said, said flashbacks. flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's no, no, no. But thing. they're such great storytellers that uh, two b- people who are into the thing read the books, realized what's going on, didn't pick up on what they were trying to do with those scenes. Oh, what a bunch of. And these guys are pieces of shit. Uh, but and another, the second one was uh, um, the whole thing about the three eyed raven when he says, "Hey." Um, and by watching it a second time, I realized that um, Bran starts warging or going to the tree net immediately after he admits that the Night's King touched him. Um, and, <laughs> and he showed Papa lives in a tree uh, where he touched him. But, Show me on this tree where he touched you. I think that's the second episode in a row we've made we've that done, same Yes, joke. we made that same joke. Yeah. But essentially... Um, uh, and watching it a second time made sense, but Bran was warging the entire time or in the tree matrix from the time the Night's King touched them in the flashback to the time that they made a break for it. And Double D said he was, the Three-Eyed Raven was trying to upload as much knowledge or give him as much information as possible. But I don't see how that matters. No, and I don't think it was played out because, again, why is Brandon Winterfell 30 years ago? I, 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 the only thing, like I said, the only thing that makes sense is um, the Three-Eyed Raven wanted to give him a life lesson as opposed to something knowledgeable that'll help defeat the others. And we gotta, we gotta start questioning everything. I question the, the motivation of the Children of the Forest. 
okay, well, you created the White Walkers and you wanted humanity to die. Why aren't you just letting that happen? Number one, that's one question. Number two... Well, that that I think that the the creation of the White Walkers led to the um, the union between the Children of the Forest and uh, the First Men to stave off the White Walkers. Although I don't know if the origin of the White Walkers is necessarily disclosed before that happened. Yeah, who knows? And uh, you know, why are they coming back now? Why, after they were defeated, you know, a thousand years ago, ten thousand years ago, whatever it was, why are they coming back now? That doesn't make sense. Because you wouldn't have a TV show if they didn't. I guess, but I want to hear some explanation. <laughs> Don't hold your breath, buddy. Oh, okay. So, next Monday free. Oh, okay, never mind. All right, anything else to uh, wrap this up? Like, how do you no. feel? How do you feel going forward? This is this is my bigger question. Is I don't know what to feel like. I feel like this has gone so far afield from what I loved originally that I have no idea what to expect. I I I really I, I'm lost. I don't know whether I want it to get better. Better whether I'm going to revel in how bad it's going to get. I really have no idea what to expect. Well, I mean, considering that this has been one of the, the stronger, if not the strongest, season so far. Yep, I agree. I think I think you have to be optimistic, but uh, it's very tough to see how they are going to wrap up all the loose ends among the people. And then also get to the end battle uh, in the next less than 20 episodes at this point. Uh, there are just so many questions, and I, I'm really concerned that they will not be able to tie everything up with a bow by the end of it. But I I, I don't know. I, I don't have any clue. I don't. I really don't have any clue. Me neither. Are you looking forward to next week's episode? or Again, just to see Benjen slash Cold Hands. Yeah, that's, a, that's hands. enough for me, but... Uh, before you told me it, that, really. before you told me that, I had no inclination to watch this episode. So I really don't care about dinner with the Tarleys. So uh, on that pleasant note, we're gonna wrap it up. And uh, you know, thanks for joining us on Ashamed of Thrones. Please go to ashamedofthrones.com uh, for some reason and uh, follow us on Twitter at Ashamed of Throne singular. Um, and we'll see you next Tuesday. And somebody, please make the Take me to Horsey Town. Won't you take me to Horsey make Town? There's yeah, enough please, of you out there. Please, please make that. And we're going to start raffling off our secret episodes from last season um, to our Patreon uh, contributors that contribute more than $10,000. And Doug will recreate the scene with the genital warts. And Daenerys giving birth to dragons. All right, guys. Take care. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry.